subscribe on iTunes at Toddcast Podcast. Mark LaBelle of Dirty Honey. How are you? What's going on, brother? Thank you so much for taking some time here to join us, man. Yeah, no worries. I've been pounding your album the last few days, and it's going really well with those sunny days, those cold beers. <laughs> yeah, totally. The wings, the, the barbecues. Absolutely, man. So you guys re- released this, um, you know, during the pandemic, and and it's turned out pretty pretty well for you. Was there ever talk in your camp of like, I don't know, maybe we should, maybe we should hold off? Yeah, the only reason for that would have been um, in terms of recording it and like getting in the same room as the producer instead of doing it like like this via zoom with him right um that was looking back like i i never want to do that again (laughs) what a crazy (laughs) like did you guys all manage to evade covid no i've probably had it like five times now right um i didn't get it during lockdown though i got it you know i got it Maybe maybe it was kind of on the the back end of maybe that second year. Um, the first time I got it, I literally was at hockey. Um, I was actually I was doing some work for a friend and uh, helping him out doing locations for a photo shoot with J Lo of all people. Not that I I don't know her or anything like that. I was just working this thing. Yeah, and um, you know it's obviously very high end talent or whatever, and they make you get COVID tested before you come to the the photo shoot said, and I went to this, like this testing site, didn't think anything of it, felt completely fine. Went to hockey, came back from hockey with like a dozen voicemails from the producer who was like, you have COVID. Like, I was like, fuck man. What? Um, and then, yeah, the next day I felt like total shit for probably 48 hours and then it was fine. Wow. So how much did the pandemic affect, you know, the game plan as a, as a band? Yeah, it was, it was, it derailed us pretty good, honestly. I mean, derailed everybody and, and everything, but, um, yeah. you know, we were supposed to be in Europe, we we're supposed to do Australia, Japan, obviously the Black Crows tour got delayed. Um, you know, it, it affected everything we were doing, mm-hmm. it affected the recording, it affected your ability to write, your, your willingness and desire to write. You know, you're just kind of, there's all these question marks. So, yeah, you know, I talked to probably, know a hundred musicians over the the two years and i would say a good you know a third of them were like yeah man i just lost like the motivation to to write and i just kind of lost the motivation to play and like holy man that's crazy it it was tough i said during the pandemic i was like it's tough to write songs about life when you're not living like a life you're just kind of in your apartment every day going to the grocery store there's nothing to do you're not interacting with people you're going through the same groundhog day sort of like situation every single day for two years. It was terrible, but you know, we, we, we found a little light um, in there and we got together and we rented a rehearsal space and like wrote and stuff. And that was a good escape for a little while, but uh, it was, it was short lived. But like now, like how good is it to be on stage and like your music is being played to people that love your band? Like (laughs) totally. No, it's crazy. And, I remember that first gig back was in uh, Phoenix. It was in Tempe, actually, I believe. And um, man, it was just so like emotional to have a room full of people again, just like feel the energy. And um, it was uh, it was a really special night. And 
there are a lot of people that, you know, have been fans, you know, since day one that showed up to that gig and like they were there to sort of rejoice with us for the first time again. It was really, it was really cool. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. So when do you guys jump back on the road? I know you're in Vancouver, uh, Rickshaw Theater, September 5th. Great venue, by the way, if you've never been. Yeah, I've never, I've only been to Vancouver once and that was just a little pass through to go up to Whistler to go skiing. But, um, you know, I've heard nothing but great things about the city. I got buddies that, that live down um, <clears throat> in like Newport Beach that played for the Canucks and stuff, you know, and they just love love the city so they're like you're gonna have a blast but um yeah i'm i'm really looking forward to just getting to canada as a whole like i've we've never really played anywhere other than toronto and montreal so um you know it's gonna be good it's gonna be good to get up there finally and you know especially vancouver that's one of the sites that um i just remember in the early days sending a lot of merch to and stuff um you know when i was doing it from from my apartment before we had a merch company and i was like who are all these people in british columbia that know about us you know that's awesome so you're, yeah. you're mentioning uh nhl buddies like talk about playing the uh the winter classic and and, and yeah uh, and the decision to play a cover of prince's let's go crazy like great choice man i know you guys play that a lot in your live shows but well that was um sort of after the fact after we recorded it that that was sort of an addition to the to the live show but uh yeah, TNT called us and, you know, they'd heard about us, like the producer of the, you know, the the broadcast had heard about us um, on Spitting Chicklets, actually. Um, okay. And he was like following our career ever since. And he just thought, man, you know, we're looking for this. We're looking for an artist to do like a rock cover of, you know, a print song because the Winter Classic was in Minneapolis, you know, and. And um, he's like, I immediately thought of you guys and just see if there's a tune that maybe speaks to you and, you know, see if you can do something interesting with it or if you guys are even interested in doing this little project. And I was like, obviously, of course, I'd love to do something. Um, are you a hockey and, fan? Yeah, big watch? hockey fan, um, you know, and and obviously a big Prince fan. And I had heard a version of, of Prince doing Let's Go Crazy with like a heavier riff to it. And... Um, you know, we kind of built this cover on that idea and, and, you know, really put our own little spin on it. And that was, you know, a big determining factor in whether or not we were going to do the music. Cause like, you got to make it, if you're going to do a cover, you got to make it your own, you oh, know, hundred percent. Yeah. 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 So, um, you know, we did our thing with it and they were cool, cool enough to have us, you know, fly, fly us up to Duluth and shoot on a frozen lake and do all this crazy drone footage with, um, this drone operator. I've been trying to do some stuff with for a long time he's like a famous cinematographer okay. um so it was really like magical you know um like conglomeration of all these interests i've had and people i've wanted to work with and um hockey obviously so it was uh <laughs> the guys were not too thrilled about being in duluth in the middle of winter but uh, it was fine yeah totally so, uh you guys are from la i'm from albany um okay but yeah we all but the band formed essentially here for sure. formed in yeah. LA, yeah yeah so what's the what's the scene like there now like of course we know the the infamous you know days of the crew and gnr and all that but like yeah. what's it like present day man i wish i knew i haven't been here this is my fourth day in la in the last three months so i've only been home since sunday since oh, the well. uh, european run um so i haven't gotten out you know to see live music since I've been home, obviously, but, uh, 
before I left, there was definitely a little bit of a that like post punk thing, whatever they're calling it now, is kind of bigger. Um, when we sort of started, like around 2018, there was a lot of bands in like the Silver Lake scene. It was called very hipster, like rock scene. A lot of keyboards in the the music it was like this softer, like hipster genre of rock with a lot of like synths and a lot mm-hmm. of Vampire Weekend sounding stuff like a like a silver sun pickups or yeah like Like not a lot of virtuoso blues guitar playing a lot of like the more simple um almost like singer songwriter rock i would call it so that wasn't really my scene never was um yeah but obvious with the music (laughs) yeah um but you know i i did like some of the music it's just it it very much felt like a fad to me and a lot of people were like you guys need to go out to silver lake and you know play at the silver lake lounge or whatever like and i was like i i don't care i don't really care about that at all that's not we don't fit there it's not my thing yeah yeah so it was a lot of that but there's some young bands um we took one out um at a gig out here in san diego there's a band called uh saint electric that's like little more rock and roll a little more punk um they're pretty cool um obviously joyous wolf is like a rock and roll band um that we took out so there's some things happening for sure yeah yeah and and talk about your uh guitarist john and being guitar world said he was like number 24 the hottest fucking (laughs) number 24 whatever like he's probably offended like in their current issue dude that's crazy man no it's awesome he's uh obviously he's a amazing guitar player and uh he's he's the one that's been with me on this journey the longest so um okay you know we definitely have a a special connection but man he's a maniac he's a maniac both on and off the stage and he's really um he's just loving like the entire life he's a true like rock and roll spirit and in every sense of the uh the phrase he he really lives that life you know and um but you know, most importantly, he's he's a great like riff writer. He, I, I say a lot like when he has an idea for a riff and and he's really honed in on it. Like he's the one person that that really like can arrange an entire song of music if he's inspired. Like he'll go the distance on something, which is really rare um, for us. Um, and you know, you usually get like four of those ideas a year, which are like great um and it's like all the way through that was california dreaming was one of those um stars yep um you know there's just a handful of others but those those are the moments when uh he sends me like a note like a voice note or like a demo and it's i'm like oh shit this is gonna be good here here we go yeah yeah talk about uh when i'm gone because of course that's a big song for you guys i mean it's the first unsigned band to have number one on the what is the mainstream rock charts on billboard or whatever it was yeah so how did that like is that one of those songs that just kind of came together and like real fast or you know what i mean like sometimes songs do that right they do yeah i think um that one was it was an interesting thing like i'm i'm very much an advocate of not giving up on something you really believe in whether it's a riff or a melody or like a a lyric or something like that and I had these two, John wrote the riff and I had a completely other song um, with another riff that I really loved that I'd like to revisit. Um, 
but the chorus, the, the chorus melody was in this other song. Oh. And so one day I, I don't know why I did it. I don't know how it happened. I can't even tell you where I was, or I just remember being on my couch and I played the acoustic to the when I'm gone riff. And then I took this other chorus and floated it into what is now when I'm gone. And I, I was like, I think this is pretty good. And he was like, yeah, that sounds good. You know, didn't think anything of it. And then flash forward, um, we went out to Austin and did a demo of it um, with a buddy. And then, you know, it that like really sparked everything when my manager was kind of sniffing around and we were searching for management and we had some stuff going on with record labels and everything. And, and he heard that song and he was like, Whoa, like that's, that's something special for sure. Yeah. Um, and that was the catalyst for everything just kicking off. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious, uh, Mark, what, what was the music in your house <laughs> like as a kid growing up? You know, I grew up in, uh, I don't want to, I, I call it maybe a broken home. Like it's a very traditional American um, upbringing where, you know, like my dad and I would travel on weekends every weekend for hockey tournaments, lacrosse tournaments, whatever. Yeah. Um, and I lived with my mom and my stepdad and I had a brother and a half brother and a stepbrother and a stepsister. It's like a crazy family to follow. So you know, it was, it was kind of all over the place, but it was always rock and roll. Like my dad, you know, he would always be pumping permanent vacation in the car on like hockey trips or, um, he'd have more James Brown. Like he listened to a lot. He loved like a lot of the, the older stuff. But my stepdad also like had the deeper arrow. He had an insane like CD collection of like Aerosmith. He's a huge stones fan, Tom Petty. Um, so I was exposed to all that. Brian Adams was a big one. My mom loves Brian Adams and Rob Rod Stewart. Um, My buddy's then, the drummer in uh, Brian Adams' band. Oh, really? I've, I've Stewart, seen him yeah. probably a dozen times in my life. Um, cool. Yeah, my brother. I remember my brother specifically and I really bonding over um, Californication by the Chili Peppers, and then my stepbrother, of course, having uh, Shake Your Money Maker on and. Like yeah. really that like early nineties rock stuff. Um, well, you guys did some shows with the crows, didn't you? Did a whole tour with them. Yeah. Deadly. Yeah. They're amazing. Like, I'm going to go see them this weekend. Actually. Are you nice? Yeah. What, what was your first concert? Aerosmith um, in Saratoga. Yeah. Wow. Um, I think I want to say either kiss or like fuel opened. Um, yeah. It was awesome, man. It, I met them uh, that morning. I was like a little kid and I met Aerosmith, you know, like my heroes. Um, and that was, that really sparked an interest in wanting to be a musician, you know, at an early age. Oh, I bet. Yeah. And so, so now you, you look back and you're like, man, all these bands that I grew up with, like you've been on fucking tour with like GNR and, I know. and Slash and like, dude, it's crazy, man. It's, it's, uh, yeah, you definitely got to step back and pinch yourself when, when you're having experiences like this. And, you know, I was telling my agent in, um, in Europe, he was like, who's like your dream act to tour with, you know? I mean, you guys have checked a lot of the, the dream boxes. And for me, that's guns and the black crows and, um, the who is a big one too. I think the only ones left in terms of like the legacy acts would be like Aerosmith, ACDC. And the stones. It's like I'd be like, okay, yeah. What else could I ask for? 
<laughs> yeah. Did you pick a career highlight or is that just like way too hard? <clears throat> One highlight, yeah, would be tough. That'd be tough. Um, there's already been so many. It's like, again, yeah, pinch me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Mark, I don't know how, honestly how, how much time I have with you. So I just want to blast through. I want to get outside of music. Yeah, I got no, I got nothing till, um, like 1145. So. Okay. Nice. Okay. Nice. Uh, okay. So let's, uh, let's get outside of music then and, and kind of get to know you a little bit. Sure. <clears throat> so what are, what are you binge watching right now? Like what are the shows? <laughs> like, man, <laughs> such a good show, man. Um, the, the last thing I watched, um, cause my buddy was in it actually was the terminalist on, uh, is it on? It's on Amazon. It's like the Chris Pratt, Taylor Kitsch, um, military, like conspiracy thriller series. Um, it's really good. It's really well done, but it's interesting to, um, it's always interesting to watch something that like a friend is in and, you know, yeah, totally see right. if he's got that like weird look in his eye where it's like, you know, sometimes like you look at something and you're like, I don't know that person I'm watching, you know? And, but sometimes you watch it and you're like, oh, that's totally him. So yeah. it's uh, it's fun for me. But uh, yeah. that was the big one that I watched recently. And then um, the only other thing I really sought out was Top Gun 2. And that was like amazing. Oh. I, I haven't seen it, but every person I've talked to is like, man, I feel like I was a little kid again. Totally. I couldn't believe that the movie was ending. It was so freaking good. Like, it was awesome, man. That's, um, that, that's super like, close to my heart you know is that was like one of the first movies i really remember ever seeing and and yeah. like having a thing with um so for it to come back around you know however many years later is, is pretty cool yeah uh which superhero is your favorite like yeah i don't i don't care about any of those you like don't, i you don't watch I, any of that shit no really? i don't watch any of that stuff um wow i did watch uh the batman on the flight home from from Europe, but oh, it's the, just because it was like, with, uh, with yeah, with Pattinson. Pattinson. Yeah, yeah. It was really good. good. Um, but yeah, I'm not like a big superhero, huh. like comic book uh, movie guy. I, I typically like the movies to be rooted in some sort of reality. Right. Well, I you think know, Batman I'm, would probably be as close as you could possibly get for a super, like he's just a dude that can fight. <laughs> yeah. I mean, at, on some level, I'm sure all the comic book like superheroes are. Um, that's what makes them like relatable. But yeah, I read so many when I first moved to LA, I was like a script reader for a second. And like, I read so many like bad scripts that when you, you see a film that really like, you know, that this it's, it's all about the script. And like, obviously somebody wrote something that was so amazing that it was unavoidable to, to pass it over. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you really gravitate towards, those films and you know the last one in recent memory that i saw that i could see like just being a great you know piece of paper with awesome words on it was probably the green book um it was just like a movie about a jack black jazz musician like going around the country dealing with racism in like i don't know the 50s or the 40s or something and it was oh, okay. his driver was uh vigo mortensen and um it was great it was an amazing movie how do you, how do you get into a, a a job like that? Like reading, like I didn't even know that that <laughs> it's pretty common. Production companies have these people, um, interns usually that read scripts and, um, you know, they do what's called coverage. You write a little summary on it, and mm. there's higher ups that will read it and say, you know, maybe maybe this is worth my time to take two hours and read this 
right. script, you know, and that's how they sort of weed out stuff initially. But uh, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't that interesting. It was I I think in the whole time I must have read hundreds of scripts. I probably read one that I thought was good. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Not bad, hey. Well, it's not that they're all awful. It's like a lot of them are very um, formulaic in their oh. approach. It's like, you know, like an ex well, Don't they say that there's, there's only like five storylines or something like that? that you it can probably, yeah, write right. Or whatever, you know. So, yeah, ex-Navy SEAL falls in love with a like woman in distress like that's fighting the cartel was like a common. Wow. Whatever, you know. <laughs> What's the worst <laughs> job you've had? Um, during the pandemic, I was definitely... Um, you know, looking for some means of income. We all were, and we, the whole band at one point was like trimming weed at this like weed factory in uh, LA. And it was hell, dude. <laughs> it was hell. Justin was very excited at first. And then he was like, this sucks. <laughs> yeah. What, what does it cost for an ounce down in LA? An ounce? Um, that'd be a Justin question. I wouldn't know. I'm uh yeah I don't I don't smoke too much um he would he'd be able to tell you f- the prices for f- different types of weed I'm sure different strains and shit yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um let me let me hit you with an oddball one do you do you believe that aliens have visited Earth or maybe even live among us live among us I don't know about that but I'm sure they visited Earth there's no doubt I I get wrapped up a lot like in our perception of time because people are like, Oh, you know, like aliens haven't come in a million years, but whatever, you know, however long, but, um, you know, if you think of our life, if you think of human existence, you know, and how long we've been here, um, I don't know how many millions of years that's been, but even if, even if they haven't come in a billion years, if you're some sort of life, form that can travel through light years of time to get here a billion years probably isn't that long you know what i mean yeah yeah. so uh it's it's probably not um it's probably just not uh too too strange that they haven't been here in a million or 10 million or 100 million years you know i'm just high enough to enjoy that reply yeah there you go (laughs) i'd love to talk to neil degrasse tyson about that sometime (laughs) Uh, okay, so we know that you're a hockey fan. What other sports uh, do you get into? What, like, what's your team? Yeah, I'm a big Penguins fan. Always have been since I was a little kid. Um, Penguins, interesting. Why is yeah. that? Yeah, um, I I just loved when I was little. I just loved that Penguin logo. I think that's what really grabbed me. And they weren't too far from where I grew up. They were like five or six hours away. Okay. But I kind of grew up around Boston, Montreal, Buffalo. New York Rangers, Islanders, Penguins, Philly, they were all in the Northeast, you know, within, within reach, usually on TV. Um, but yeah, I've, I mean, I grew up going to a lot of Ranger games. My first game ever was up at, you know, up in Montreal, um, with my dad, uh, during, during like a hockey trip, we were up there for a hockey thing and, you know, they just happened to be in town that weekend and, and we uh, caught a game, but uh, yeah, it's crazy. And it's, it's turned into friendships with like Henrik Lundqvist of, of the Rangers and cool. he loves music and loves playing guitar and that's always been fun. But um, yeah, man, I've, I try and catch a game. If there's a game going on in, in a city that we're in on a night off, I'm usually there. Nice. 
you watch uh, the fights, UFC, Bellator, and all that? I do very casually, very passively, but um, I'm not like obsessed with UFC or anything. I'd rather rather watch hockey. I'm I'm very into the World Cup. I love that, and I love uh, I do love the Tampa Bay Bucks. Man, that's that's been a torture of mine for a long time, and now it's <laughs> it's been awesome. It's kind of like cheating, though, that Tom Brady's on the team. You know, I know, right? It's kind of it's kind of like veiled uh, happiness because you're you're definitely into. Um, I mean, obviously, you want to see the team win, but just for the you know the the quality of the team to change so drastically from one player is just wild. I know, isn't it crazy? It's crazy. It is crazy. Yeah. All right, Mark. I'm going to respect your time, dude. I'll ask you one more question. Yeah. And we'll wrap it up. So I want you to share a near-death story where you're like, holy shit, I could have, I should have just died there. Hmm. I could have died. I don't know if I have one. Well, knock wood. I could have, where I could have died. Man, I don't know. That's a good question. I don't know if I have one. You're one of the few, man. I, I've probably talked to a thousand people on this podcast and 900 have had stories. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah, I got a good one for you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I won't say I should have died. Um, I definitely could have died in a horrible death. But I was in, um, it's in the mountains. I was in Wyoming. And my buddy and I, we were, <laughs> we were trying to photograph, I love wildlife photography. So grizzly bears, wolves, um, you know, moose, whatever, Mo- mostly grizzly bears and wolves. And uh, so we were, it was actually during COVID. We were like looking to get out of the house. We go to, you know, some of the national parks and buzz around that area. And obviously there's woodsy backcountry areas that aren't in the national parks and you can see some stuff. So we, we go out into the backcountry and uh, we come across like a dead elk carcass and there's just birds flying all over it. And that's usually a pretty good sign that like a wolf or like a grizz, something is coming to feed on it. So we, we like sit on it for like a day. We're just, you know, keeping our distance, hoping something comes around and we don't see anything. And, um, you know, the next morning we wake up and I go and I'm like, I'm going to go check on the carcass, see if like something made on it overnight or whatever. And, and we parked probably 300 yards away from the, the kill site, we called it. And I'm walking towards this thing. I get like 50 yards away from it. And out of the corner of my eye, I see three grizzly bears all on their hind legs, looking at me, walk towards their food. And I'm just like, holy shit. And you're not supposed to run, no. but what do you do? I was kind of in a position where I could see the bears, but my buddy who was back at our, our van couldn't. And I like turned back to him and I'm like, Hey man, like grab the bear spray, grab the gun. And he's like, what? Couldn't hear me. Couldn't understand me. Grab the shit. I was like, grab a fucking bear spray. He's like, what? And I just, in a split second decision, just decided I am bolting i'm bolting to this van and hopefully they get the memo that something serious is going on and uh they did and they're like pointing at me laughing they're like why is he running and i like 
when I got into earshot of them, I was like, fucking grizzly bears, grizzly bears, like, let's go. And uh, we jumped into a, a Jeep nearby and we kind of like rode over there safely. And these bears just like chilled with us for like 35, 40 minutes. And we got to photograph them, got some amazing photos. But wow. Yeah, I was running like for my life. Yeah, you don't mess At least with they weren't chasing me, but. And their food. Yeah, that's that's like. They say that's like one of the two surefire ways like to get in a bad situation is like be in between a mother and their cubs or be near a grizz while they're protecting a food source. And that's not good. Mm. So um, I had a black bear chase me up in uh, when I was living up in Terrace. North, really? Northern BC. And uh, it chased me for about a hundred meters or so. But thankfully wow. I had a, probably about a 400 meter, you know, gap. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, man, my whole body, like even now telling the story, I'm fucking my whole, like every hair on my body was like, yeah, no, I'm sure. I, I literally thought I was going to die. Yeah. I, I was right there with, I mean, in three grizz, like yeah. I got it. I, I, you don't have a chance against one, you know? No. Um, and what do you do? Like if, if, if it were to catch you, is it like the grizzlies, are they like you ball up or like, what do you do for that? You're supposed to just, um, like cover the back of your neck because they can't open their mouth too wide. They kind of have a pretty narrow gap. So, I mean, like they're obviously going to maul you and claw you and that's obviously not good, but yeah, I mean, you probably don't have a chance if you wind up in that situation, but probably not. you're supposed to just, yeah, ball up, cover your neck and, hope for the best and not <laughs> run because they, they immediately think you're prey. Wow. But yeah, that's not good. You're supposed to have bear spray on you. And I, I usually do. And uh, I just didn't in that one, like 90 second circumstance. And uh, I never again will go anywhere without it. That's crazy. So yeah, it was, it was wild. Yep, that's I a, got that's some good picks guy. though. We got some good picks. Yeah. Yeah. So what's the, what's the rest of uh, 2022 looking like for, dirty honey yeah just um we're going on tour in a couple two weeks here again in, in the states and canada and then um probably get into the studio and record a bunch of stuff that we've been working on and nice you know we'll uh just go from there see what what's next um but yeah making making some more music and getting that stuff finished is definitely a, a major priority right now so very cool well, I look forward to seeing your band, man. September 5th, uh, Rickshaw Theater here in, in Yeah, I can't wait. Can't wait for uh, that. Your, your, your band's easy to find on social media. Straight up uh, Dirty Honey Band on Instagram and Twitter. Yep. Dirty Honey Music on Facebook. That's it. That's it. Yeah. It's going to be awesome, fun. Mark. Thanks again, man, for, for yeah, jumping no worries, on the podcast man. today. Uh, say hi to the rest of the guys for me, and I guess, I guess we'll, we'll see you We'll see you, you in, uh, in Van City. The Toddcast Podcast on ToddHancock.ca.